Evening again, everybody. Um, I think most of you, all of you know me, but I'm going to introduce myself anyways. I am Dustin. I'm the family life pastor here at Faith, and it truly is an honor and a privilege to stand up here tonight and give you the words, the message that God has given me to share with you. And he's really laid it on my heart, and I'm going to apologize ahead of time because I got a little fire in me on this one, I think. We'll see what the Spirit does with me. But uh, if I get a little fired up, I apologize. I know this is usually a down, kind of a down service, but um, if I get fired up, we'll just go ahead and blame that on the Spirit, shall we? Um, so tomorrow, as we know, is Friday. And then comes Sunday. And with Sunday comes the reason for our hope. Sunday brings the foundation of our faith, the resurrection. But tonight, tonight is Thursday. And tonight we remember the final day of Jesus' life on this earth. We remember his final prayer, one of his final prayers, and his final meal. So I'd like to start off and have you turn with me to John chapter 17. John 17 is the prayer that Jesus prays for his disciples. They're in the upper room. Dinner's been had or going to be had. And Jesus is praying. And we are going to actually, we're going to start a little bit earlier than this particular verse, but... I want to point this out to start with. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Jesus is praying for us. He is inserting us into his prayer. He is now praying for you and me, and he's praying for us as we are right here, right now. I think that's incredibly powerful, but I also think that what comes right before that is part of this as well. And I say that because sometimes when I pray, I go, oh yeah, I was supposed to pray for that too. And I kind of go, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backdate, kind of backdate the prayer. I, is that a thing? Um, so I think we're probably included in what comes before that. And if that's true, then the whole thing is very powerful, very powerful indeed. So follow along with me. I'm going to read the whole thing, verses 13 to, through 23. Now, this is Jesus praying to his Father. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Next, please. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. 
I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such a perfect unity that the world will know that you have sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. There's a lot here. And believe me, I could dig into all of it and would truly love to. Um, but that would make some of our dinners very late. So I'm going to try and stick with my main premise. And what's really on my heart tonight is to talk about unity. To me, the second part of this passage makes it abundantly clear for us. As believers, as Christ followers, we are to be united. And that starts, I believe, in the first part of the passage. Through Christ, we've been made holy. Through his sacrifice, God has set us apart. We are not in this world. We don't belong to the world, but we've been sent into it to complete the work that he set before us. We don't belong to the world any more than Jesus did. I want to let that sink in for a second. As Christ followers, we don't belong to this world any more than Jesus did. Jesus did not belong to this world. Now, it may be obvious, but I think it bears saying that the things that this world values, riches and power and fame, had no pull on him. He didn't even value his own life the way the world does, the way the world says he probably should. His wealth was knowing that God would provide everything he needed. His power was in his reliance on God. And the only notoriety that he cared for was the kind that gave glory to God. And this is what he wants for us. This is what he wants for you. This is what he wants for me. He wants us to be set apart for the kingdom. This is where we start a kingdom mindset. This is the first step to unity. And recognizing the true depth of our call to be holy is the first step. Being one with Jesus is the second Jesus prays we will be one with him just as he is one with the Father. And we've heard this before, but have we understood it? It's going to be easier for us to understand what it means and how we get to be one with him if we understand how he is one with the Father. So let's start there. And I am going to actually start with what I don't believe that this particular oneness is. See, I don't believe that he's talking about a Trinitarian oneness. I don't think he's talking about being the son of God and being God and being part of the Godhead in this particular part of the prayer. 
I don't think that's what he's talking about. Although, that certainly has helped him model what I think he is talking about. And what I think he is talking about is the oneness that comes from his will matching God's will. There is an agreement and an understanding between Jesus and God. Jesus knows God. He knows him. They've, they've been forged together in the bonds of relationship. Jesus knows and understands his Father as intimately and as perfectly as anybody ever can. And as intimately and perfectly as any of us can ever understand another person. And in that, he has chosen to align himself with the desires and the will of his Father, regardless of the worldly consequences. Jesus is in complete agreement with the Father. They are of one accord. And I think that's the type of oneness that Jesus is talking about here. And certainly, certainly it goes deeper than agreement. But I think for our purposes here tonight and again in the interest of time, I think we can stick with agreement as kind of our main focus for it. So Jesus knows the Father perfectly. He knows him intimately. He knows exactly what the Father wants for him. He knows what the will is for him. And Jesus has made the choice through his own free will to pursue the will that the Father has for him. So now let's take that to the next step. God's will for us. How are we in Jesus as Jesus was in the Father? Have you forged a relationship with him? Do you know him well enough to understand his will for you? Have you made a choice to agree with that will regardless of worldly consequences? And I know these are harsh questions or could be read as harsh questions, but they're true. They're real. I have to go, I have to ask myself these. Have I made the choice? Have I chosen today to agree with the will that God has put in front of me? regardless of the consequences? Have I chosen to be bold for the gospel today? And some days, if I'm honest, the answer is no. Jesus was perfect and sinless and still had to fight that temptation. He had to fight against choosing his own desires, just like we do. And we see that in his prayer in the garden. Father, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me, is what he prayed. He was fighting against his own desires. On the cross, and I'm going to humble myself here, I had a fourth grader ask me an absolutely brilliant question yesterday. And I love the way the minds of kids think, right? It was great. We were talking about Jesus being on the cross and him being mocked, and he goes, isn't that kind of like what happened with the devil in the wilderness? And I went, yep. That is, that's exactly what it is, right? He is being mocked 
And it's just the same as when he tells Peter, get behind me, Satan, when Peter tells him, you don't have to die. Now all the people are telling him, you're the son of God, you don't have to die. They're tempting him to take himself down off of the cross, but he chooses, he fights through that, and he chooses to follow the will of the Father. And his relationship with the Father was perfect, so we have to fight it just that much harder, but the result is so worth it. It really is. It is so worth it because when I am in the will of the Father for me, and you are in the will of the Father for you, then we are each in his will for each other. This is unity. And it brings glory to God when we abide in God's will for our lives. It creates unity and it brings glory to God. And that is the why. Why do we need to be one with Jesus like he's one with the Father? Because it brings glory to God. It creates that unity. Because people that are still a part of this world, the people who have not experienced Christ, the people who haven't been set apart, they might see that unity. They might recognize that we truly love each other, even if we disagree on certain things. We can disagree on cyclones and Hawkeyes and still love each other. We can disagree on Apple versus iPhones, or Apple versus Android. Apple versus iPhone is the same thing, right? Some people are Apple, some are Android. Okay, we can even agree on something so divisive as vegetarian. Some people are vegetarian. Some people just want bacon on everything. These preferences, they don't inherently have an impact on God's will for us. They don't impact our, they don't impact our unity. They don't, unless we make them have that impact. Now, I will just sidebar, and I'm kind of preaching myself here, right, to the people who like bacon on everything. We've got to show some restraint. Just because we want bacon on everything doesn't mean we have to have bacon on everything. But I digress. God gave us different options different choices in life, different things that we can like, different preferences to have to complement our free will. What's the point of giving us free will if he doesn't give us choices along the way? So he lets us choose between Hawkeyes and Cyclones. Why? Because if there is only one team, who would they play against? But when we choose his will for our lives, the differences, they remain. But they simply don't matter. They don't. I think this is true unity. When we love each other for our love of Christ. I want what Christ wants for me. And what Christ wants for me is to love you. Not because of some common ground, 
not in spite of some difference, simply because he wants me to love you. That's his will for me. That's part of it. I know that because the Bible says it a bunch of times. We're supposed to love each other. That is true unity. And it's so important because people, like I said, the people that are not yet set apart, they're being trained for divisiveness. They're being trained. They're learning how to separate from each other, how to separate from people. They're practicing disunity in a lot of places, in a lot of ways, and not all of them. I get that. But this is what's coming in our world. This is what we're seeing. They're looking at us. They look at you. They look at me. And they are looking for those differences. So when they see us, with our many differences and our love that transcend all of them in Christ. When they see that, when they find our unity, they see the love of Christ and that brings God glory. Amen? Some of those, some of those, not all of them, But some of them who see that unity, who see us loving and different at the same time, will soften their hearts. Some of them will seek Jesus. Some of them will come believers and make Jesus the Lord of their lives. And some of them will do that without us even talking to them. Our unity has the potential to bring people to Christ without us even directly engaging with them. It is a direct testimony to Christ. That is the power of the unity that we carry through being one with Christ as he is one with the Father. Now, if you'll please indulge me, Jesus prayed these words over his disciples. And I would love to pray them over you. Father, may we experience such a perfect unity that the world will know that you sent us, that you love them as much as you love us and as much as you love your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So now we're going to move into a time of communion. Nearly 2,000 years ago, on the night of preparation, Jesus and his disciples were gathered for a meal in the upper room. It was the same night Jesus prayed this prayer, the same night he washed their feet, the same night Judas dipped the bread. And then left. It was there in that night, in that place, that he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks, saying, Take this and eat. This is my body that is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And it's that night after supper that he takes the cup and he proclaims this cup is a new covenant in my blood between God and his people. Take this and drink and do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Every time, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until his return. I would invite you to use this time as a time of prayer and reflection. And when you're ready, please feel free to visit the table and take your communion. And at Faith, we do practice an open communion. So if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, if you believe that he is in your Lord and Savior, then we invite you to our table. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we really can't fathom what Jesus is going through. We can't understand it. And we can only feel part of the weight of it. But when we seek to feel the weight of it, it's crushing. When we look at his prayer for us, his prayer for our unity, when at the same time he's in so much turmoil, Lord, we just, we thank you for the heart that you gave him for us. We thank you that he fought through temptation and went to the cross, that he loved us enough to give up his own will to yours. Father, I ask that you strengthen us so that we can, can do our best and be strong enough to follow your will for our lives instead of our own. To be bold for you and to be bold for Jesus. To love each other just because we love you and to have that perfect unity that, you, that Jesus prayed for so long ago. Father, we lift our prayers to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.